check this out. This is Ice-T. Chris Harrison here, host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Hi, it's Brett Favre. It's me, you got Shen, Jeff, Lasse, what? Kelly Sheen here. It's me, Raven Simone. Real life Peter Griffin here. <laughs> this is your boy, D. Howard. What up, though? This is a big Snoop Dogg. It's your girl, Nene Leakes, honey. This is Flavor Flav. Representing on this new situation called Cameo. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We've got the Cameo Handshake. I'm Southside Jake, my co-host, the illustrious former Lost Boy, Kyle. Kyle, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. As always, full of energy. Kyle, big guest today, badass dude in the room. I don't want to give it away. I want you to intro him, but just an actor, uh, a Hollywood staple, someone we all know. I don't want to give away too much. Who, who are we chatting with on this episode? Oh, well, we're, we're talking to one of my favorites. Uh, we've met before, luckily, uh, so we have had a conversation outside this podcast. Does he so know I that? Do have, he, he knows that. <laughs> okay. He knows that. He's just nodding his head. Uh, but our guest today is both acted and voice acted in some of the most incredibly iconic roles, including Rufio from the movie Hook and Zuko in Avatar, The Last Airbender. He's a writer and soon to be making his directorial debut. Welcome to the pod, Dante Bosco. What's up, you guys? Cameo's in the house. Cameo is in the house. Bosco. Dante, we're going to spare you. Uh, Kyle and I are going to do the cameo handshake real quick, which is a shot of Malort and a quick sip, unless you want to rethink. You no, want go, go, okay, go we'll for do. it. I'm Salud. still... Salud, Kyle. I'm still jet lagging from arriving yesterday. Understood. Zero pressure. The Chicago handshake is done. What's going on, Dante? Damn, what? PBRs and everything. Well, What's the up? whole thing on this... The cameo handshake is a playoff Chicago handshake, which is a shot of this liquor Malort. And then like, it's paired with like a Midwestern beer. So like an old style, a PBR. You can get away with a highlight. Malort whiskey? It's really like a... It's a Wormwood-based liquor. Liqueur? Liqueur. It's, I believe that's what they say, liquor or schnapps. Here's the like deal. It's like a schnapps. It's like a schnapps. Okay. Not to hate on them. It's like one of those funny things you do when someone visits Chicago because it tastes really, really bad. Yeah. Right. Like, the hor- like it, horrible. The act of it, though, is like welcoming an old friend to town, you know? Yeah. And that's what we, the that's vibe love. we try to go for. That's all love. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't, you didn't miss anything. No, it's actually... <laughs> you didn't miss anything. We're but, actually getting desensitized. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's supposed to be like, oh, that was the worst thing ever. And now it's starting to be like, you know, whatever, whatever. So Dante Bosco in the house, man. Actor, voice actor. I don't even know where to begin with this, dude. I want to go to the obvious spot. I don't know if the obvious spot annoys you at all. Nah, man. You know. Rufio. Rufio's great. I, I did that. And, you know, it's over. God, it's pretty crazy because, like, 25 plus years ago now. And um, I've been an actor in this town for over 30, 30, I don't know, 33, 34 years now. It's crazy. How old was Rufio? How old were you when you did that? I was 15. 15? I don't know. I was 15. Were you still in high school at that point? I was still in high school. Pretty crazy. I started acting when I was 10, and then um, I was in high school, and I did Hook. And, uh, you know, I was like a young, young, idealistic kid that was just hustling hard since we were kids. Actually, be, before me and my brothers and my sister were uh, came to L.A. We, from the Bay Area originally, before we started acting, we were actually breakdancers in the Bay. Yes. So it all started, uh, we all started as B-boys. And we came to L.A. to dance, and then as soon as you get to L.A., a lot of cats know, you know, this is an acting town. This yeah. is a movie yeah. town. So you end up kind of getting in that lane, and we end up taking classes and kind of getting really involved in that side, and, and that kind of led to Hook when I was 15. So you started acting when you were 10. Are you doing, like, commercial stuff, or are you really acting? You kind of just got a toe in. Was Hook the big break, or did you have, like, a, anything big before that? Yeah, I did stuff before that. I mean, you know, television, commercials, films, 
Um, I actually was working, I've worked a lot. I was like one of those kind of like stories where, you know, you walk in your first audition and you book it. Like that was yeah, like part of my story. And then, um, and I just continued. I worked a lot before Hook actually. It'll always be in a lot of people's eyes just discovered by Spielberg. And, and that's great to have that on the resume and people to think me that way. But the reality is I did, did a film before that called uh, Perfect Weapon with Jeff Speakman for Paramount. Um, tons of TV shows. Uh, you know, Sinbad was just here talking about Fred Savage. I did. I was on Wonder Years, the first. No. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's going to have to stop. That's the right first there. show Please I remember watching. Please dip into that. What do you remember from yeah, Wonder Years? So Tell me about the Wonder Years, because we that was kids. my jam. Yeah, my jam, too. I mean, it was the first. I was recurred. I did a bunch of episodes the first season of um, of the Wonder Years, and the people that really know the show, they know, like, one of the memorable lines I, I did was when they're talking about sex education, and they have the, you know, the teachers drawing, like, the... I guess like the, the yeah, like uterus the, the, and stuff, the, 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 and he's the, like talking about like the what Texas are the, Longhorn, yeah, <laughs> and they're like right, talking right. about the ovaries. Like, does anybody know what these are? And I'm like, the ears, exactly. It's like the ears, yeah, right. And so uh, I'm googling boom. this right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying. It's like unprofessional. Is there a clip? Is there Oh, I found it. I don't know the rules. I don't think we should play it because I, I think there's rules on like. There's what rules or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we will. Okay. I, but I've got you. The, this doesn't help the podcast, but I've got you queued up. So for as soon as it's over, audience, go Google. Go Google. Dante Bosco, one of your sex education. It's yeah. on the YouTube. Yeah, I'm on there. So, I mean, I just, my memory of that is like young Fred and uh, Josh, and we were all kids. And, uh, you know, it was the 70s. And we, at this time, we were in the 80s. And so. I just remember when we went to the set, it's like, I'm a hip-hop kid, and we was just being hip-hop and stuff like that. But then when we get to the set of Wonder Years, they put us in all, like, 70s, tighter pants. Oh, and like, yeah. Couldn't do, like, break dancing Converse. in that, huh? Everyone had Converse on, you know what I'm saying? Which would have been so fly right now. Now, yeah. Today's fashion. And now it's like, hipsters. Oh, you're going to give me a throwback, like, sport coat jacket. Not sport coat, but, like, you know, he had yeah. that, Jets, uh, that jet satin jacket and, 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 totally. the, and the skinny jeans. And skinny the, jeans or and corduroys. The PF flyers. Yes, PF flyers. Yeah. Yeah, totally. If I was wearing that right now, it'd be over with. But back then, it was like, oh, like, oh If I was this? in that right now, I'd be so uncomfortable. I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. Well, you and me probably still. But, yeah, back then, you wanted, like, where's my Jinkos and my starter's jacket? Yeah, Get this exactly. tight stuff exactly. out of my face jacket. immediately. Man, man, see, we do a bunch of research going into these things. I missed the Wonder Years. Now I'm upset. It's all good, man. Wonder Years is classic. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, that's a great. It's a great show. So, not to backtrack, but you got into breakdancing. How old? Super young, man. We was breakdancing. Like, we how were, did that come up? We were young. Me and my brothers. Um, you know, it's, it's the it's the heyday of like the you know what I what I think of as like the golden era of hip hop or just the pioneering days of hip-hop and swept the nation. And we were part of that first generation that grew up hip-hop. And we were B-boys in San Francisco, hearing all the music coming from New York, you know, seeing all the dance dances going on in L.A. And we were, like, a part of a crew. Our crew was called Street Freaks. Um, I was called Poppin' Fresh. Poppin' Fresh. Hell yeah. I'm yeah, and, uh, and we became one of the baddest, you know, little groups in like the young like kid groups in the bay area uh in the 80s and this is like circa 83 about um so funny now because like I, you know people we grew up through through the eras of east coast west coast through now like from you know backpack rap to trap rap to 
drug, like there's so many different South, North, everything. But when it was like back in the day, it was like, nah. It was like whatever song came to you, that was the jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, we would all do routines to the same songs. Like we literally showed up at breakdancing contests and it was like, you'd have to mark on the li- on, on like the signing form like what you did a routine to because it was like four songs right it was so like what ev- did you dance everyone's to gonna be Egyptian doing Lover the same. Yeah. Jam right. on exactly. it White Lines like there was like uh, just a handful of songs you know that came out and so one by one we get new songs and but we were we were kids I mean our group my mom did some stats on us one year before we got to LA we, were, we had won like 30 plus breakdancing competitions on the weekends then we ended up getting picked up and we started dancing professionally um, for the San Francisco 49ers and for the Oakland A's. And then we got scholarships to the San Francisco Ballet Company. We started studying ballet and was a part of their breakdancing group, San Francisco, um, San Francisco Ballet Breakers. And so we did all that and that, that led us into, you know, saying let's, let's jump out of being, you know, these pseudo, you know, bigger fish in a small pond and jump into like the, the biggest, ocean yeah, that is yeah, LA. LA. Let's go to LA. And we moved to LA and like, at that, then I was 10. At that age, I was 10. So, like, all that stuff happened before I was 10. So, were your parents hip-hop heads? Or, like, as a 10-year-old, I know you're drawing stuff at 10, but for someone to, like, encourage and be like, oh, this is normal. His B-boy posse is going to, like, how'd your parents let that I still, slide? I'm fascinated by my parents and being like, oh, they just allowed us to just do all kinds of stuff. My mom had us always involved in so many things from, like, cultural dancing to martial arts to... Just regular tap jazz, yeah. like, you know, gymnastics, like all these things because she just wanted to kind of keep us off the streets from our neighborhood, which was we lived in a cool little blue-collar neighborhood called uh, Pittsburgh, California. So like Pittsburgh, no H, Pittsburgh. <laughs> and, um, you know, and there's some elements around town, but to kind of keep us away from all those elements, she kind of just kept us in the arts. Yeah, and, stay busy. Kept you busy. Yeah, and yeah. so that kind of informed well, us not, our not even Not even trying to say anything about uh, anything corny, but like that was MC Hammer was doing his thing with the Oakland A's in, in, oh, that, yeah. in that when he was a younger dude. And then he yeah, kind of was... I want to say nothing. We just had a whole long conversation, me and my brothers, about about Hammer. Yeah, well, I love him. I no, think Hammer, Hammer's a stud. He but, went you know, to he, 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 had a, he had a moment in time where he could have been considered corny. I don't think that is the current moment. No, I think I got now we look back in nostalgia with him. But he was corny. I mean, of course, there no, was a moment in time, sir. There absolutely. Was, there but was a moment like in time. when he dropped "Turn This Mother Out," when it was still like brand new, crazy. Dude, remember stuff? when he started to go hard and he was doing like pumps and the bumps? Yeah, and that all was kind of crazy. And he was like, was too, but crazy. I digress. Complete tap. But anyway, he was he was a bad boy for the Oakland A's, and he was dancing a bit. Yeah. He kind of got his He's start that way too. So it's, it's it's interesting to hear that like you were. Oh, I was doing this. Very yeah, we were doing the same path. thing. We come out, our little crew would come out, and we would do, you know, third inning. Uh, you know, sixth inning. You know, you kind of like come out. Yeah, little on times top of and, the dugout or whatever. Yeah, you, you kind of perform for the for the crowd. Yeah. It's cool. I'm a variable. Actually, the great thing about it is, uh, I mean, like I'm a, I've been in LA longer than I was in the Bay, so I'm like a, I'm a Dodger fan now. So. Right. But it's different. You know, different leagues. But they brought me back to Oakland to throw out the first pitch. Oh, nice. So dope. I mean, the Bay's got deep-rooted hip-hop history, yeah, though, if you want course. to talk about, like, E-40, E-40 and Souls Too Short Mischief, and all that. Too Short. And I'm not claiming this on the history side, but now, like, g Easy's blowing up the Bay again yeah. and all that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the Bay's got deep-rooted hip-hop. Dale the Funky hip-hop. Homo Sapien. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's all... They have their own style. I mean, you still go to the Bay, and it's its own kind of, like... As far as hip-hop goes, it, you know, there's posters on the wall. We don't know who these people are, like, but they're just... They're just Bay rappers that are doing really well for themselves. I mean, the hyphy sound. Yeah, they, 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 did, they essentially 
That's it. That's, that's it. That's, that's the, the bay. That's the bay. Yeah. It's, and it's still going on. It's still like they have their own thing. So you, so you go from b-boying, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You move to L.A. with the family. Yeah. Let's get. Let's not be a big fish in a small pond. Now it's the exact opposite. Oh yeah. Now what? Crazy. It's a crazy man. Uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about it a lot lately and writing about it because I have a book coming out in November called From Rufio to Zuko. And, uh, and it's kind of a trip. I mean, I still feel too young to write a book like that. Mm-hmm. But the publishing house came to me and wanted, wanted an Asian-American perspective on Hollywood. And, uh, like, and sidebar, oh, wow. you've accomplished so damn much. Yeah. Age is not yeah, a factor. Yeah, but you're just thinking like, oh. I know, but you're humble and you've lived it all already. But I digress. Please right. go on. So so basically I've been having like, time to kind of think about all these these things. And the reality is like when you get to L.A., I mean, it's a good thing we were young and you're just naive. And, and a lot of, no matter what age you are, you, there's a certain naivety that people that come to L.A., you know, this town's full of the dreamers, right? Tensile town, baby. Yeah, and so, but the also the other reality is, like, as you get older and more experienced in town, it's like, no, you're not going to make it. Like, no one's going to, the odds are against you. <laughs> I mean, step into the town, you're, like, easily a million to one mm-hmm. shot. I mean, more, probably. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, you're just not going to make it. That's not, you're not, it's probably, if you're a betting man, like, the, your odds are way against you. But, like, we're all here. And it's like, I made it. Like, a lot of my friends made it, you know? And it's, and then, you you know, as you go about it, it's, it comes less about making it or whatever that actually means to you or your family or the people that you care about trying to prove something to. And it's more about just, you know, you know, it's that old sediment of this, the journey, but it's, it's, it's your life. Like, go live your life, man, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's, I think you got... <laughs> Some good information to put in that book, um, philosophically, you know, yeah, if it's not just yeah. a fact mission, but, uh, you know, a book about all of the things you've done, but how you think about it, like, I mean, that that resonates, you know. Yeah. I think both Jake and I pursue some sort of creative passion, you right. know, like, uh, mine might be improv and sketch and his is voice acting and rap, like, I mean, there's, right. we get that mentality, and right. it's like, as long as you're pursuing, you're, the you're happy with it. Like, yeah. Because there's also all this luck that gets, there's a lot of luck involved, you know what I'm saying? And we, none of us can say, like, we haven't been lucky or fortunate. And, uh, but the reality is the better you get, the luckier you, you get, for sure. Yeah. And, you, and, and there's also a way in this town where you start to create your own luck. If you kind of, like, follow your heart and you start kind of creating your own avenues. And, uh, and everyone, I mean, look, I'm, I'm an Asian actor that came to town where, in a time that no one even knew what, there, I was more than a million to one shot. I was probably like ten to million yeah. to one. There's no roles. Was, every time I talk and do a keynote for a college or a art school or whatnot, and you know, every keynote, every TED talk is about overcoming some insurmountable odd. That's what that's what all the keynotes are about, and that's great. Uh, but coming to LA and trying to conquer LA is like the 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 ten million to one shot, like. Literally, like, we were just talking to Sinbad when he was here, and he's like, damn, this dude is part of black Hollywood. Because I was. Right. Because there was no was Asian it. Hollywood. That was it. They, there was no Asian Hollywood. It's just like, uh, you know, to a certain degree, you know, if you're not white, you're black, and that's who we all were. We were just doing that. And not only that, you got to go beat white kids out for white kid, for the white parts. Like, me getting Rufio was me beating white kids out for that part. Right. And so... 
you can look at it in any way. You know, it's, 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 there's a way of like trying to take all the negatives and turn them into positives because the other way around is just gonna you're just gonna dig yourself in a hole in this town. You know what I'm saying? And so the very reason why you're not gonna make it is actually gonna be the very reason why you make it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's really the that's the magic you gotta kind of figure out, like. Because the reality is you're not going to make it. But if you figure out exactly why you're not going to make it, you can actually turn that into the very reason why you do make it. Yeah. I think if it's just like recognizing, I would imagine that it's, listen, it's going to be a slow grind and a slow burn. And even when maybe. you get tidbits of maybe success. Maybe not. Well, maybe not. Well, like Rufio wasn't a slow burn, right? That was boom, right? But then like to have a trajectory because you've yeah. had, you've had a, a, a decade plus career. Totally. Way more. You know what I mean? So that I'm saying like. The consistent slow burn. It's right, right. Like you didn't go from Rufio to like, oh, now I'm Brad Pitt. You yeah. know what I mean? It, no, no. You, it's, a, it's a long and, play. And some and people you got do a steady that. Course. It's like basically the whole thing. You just can't, you just you just got to run your own race. Yeah, we all have a lot of friends. We all see everything. I mean, this is the this is the thing that gets you right. This is the crazy thing. It's like, yeah, we're a million one shots. Like we're probably not gonna make it. But you know what? Someone you know is gonna make it. Absolutely. What is it? That's like the crazy a, thing. Is what like, is it? And if I butcher this, it's what is it? Preparation and opportunity equals luck or luck uh, and uh, preparation. Yeah. Preparation. Oh man, I don't know the what math equation no, to that. Preparation. A, What's the one, algorithm? I don't know. I'm gonna have to Google it. But yeah. But yeah, you gotta be prepared. Like if someone asks you know, you're an established cat now, but if someone asked you right now, hey, come to the comedy store and do a ten minute set, your ass would show up because you've been preparing your whole life for that. You know what I mean? Like you well, let's say the last couple of years. Uh, well, whatever. Yeah, I'm just right. saying That's when a, you're fully prepared and you're not faking the funk and you get an opportunity. Right. That's when you can shine. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like that's right. what I know. Like if someone said, "Hey, come do a five-minute set right now," I'd pull the, the zip out and I'd give it to the DJ. I'd be like, "Boom, give me your, you know, give me, give me my three songs right now." I'm well rehearsed and well and I mean, prepared. Yeah, I mean, you were working on those skills at that young age. Whether your mom put you yeah, in there, yeah, you and your yeah, kids, yeah. or you and uh, you and your siblings, um, and then you went to Orange County High School of the Arts yeah. and Music and Theater. What to what, us that don't know what that type of curriculum would be. Like, what did they have you going through on a day-to-day? So dope. I mean, OSHA, Orange County School of the Arts. Isn't um, that also cyber? Isn't that like a huge, like, marine biology thing? Or I, making also, that I don't know, is it? It's OSHA? also a government organization that'll okay, please charge go on, you fines. <laughs> please go on, sir. So when, that, when we were in high school, that was fame. You know, like we, you know the TV show Fame? It was yeah. like, mm-hmm. damn, we have our own fame over here. And really was like going to school, uh, you know, and you're doing regular school during the day, and then afterwards you have all these, you know, from dance classes, acting classes, voice classes, uh, all kinds of stuff in front of camera, and uh, it's crazy stuff. It was it was really an exciting, exciting time in life, and now even the school has grown. And I've, I just went back and did, and I did the commencement speech this last year, which is crazy. That's amazing. Um, and it's grown into like one of the, you know, one of the. I guess best high schools in the country now, just techn- technologically advanced. It's all now it's fully its own school. I, I think to graduate, you have to like everyone has to play an instrument, everyone has to like know their own thing and something else. They have like a culinary arts part of their schools. It's it's crazy, but what's what's crazy about that school too? So I'm from when we moved from from Pittsburgh to uh, to LA, we moved to a town called Paramount. Um, which is mirrors a lot of Pittsburgh, like very blue collar town. So people that don't know what Paramount says, like Compton, which a lot of people heard of, and then like if you come down the, the 710 freeway and you exit Rosecrans, if you make a right, that's Compton. If you make a left, that's Paramount. So Compton, Paramount, like very similar cities. I'd say Compton's more black than Mexican, and Paramount's more Mexican than black. 
but that's where we grew up. And so at that time in our lives, uh, it was all going on. This is the 90s. NWA was, you know, the number one band out there. They're from Compton, from the neighborhood. Uh, our football team, the Paramount Pirates, were like back-to-back CIF champions. And uh, like Easy would come to the football games. MC Ran would come to the games. Cra- it was like a crazy time, but also it's the height of, you know, gangsterism. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where we were all, I mean, we, I wasn't in a gang, but we were all, we were all looking like we was in gangs. I mean, we were all wearing Dickies and Ben Davises, and we were all wearing Pendletons. And um, and it wasn't mean you were in the gang. That just means you were just fitting in with your neighborhood, well, bomber was, jackets. And that was the era. Even so, I'm from the south side of Chicago, right. and even us way over there, same deal. Like, right. it was just, we were just sagging, and it was yeah, probably we all a little sag. more Air just Force part Ones of that back thing, then. And we know? just, yeah, we had our starter my, jackets and our Jinkos, yeah, and we were ready to like, roll at all times. Yeah. One of my teachers like, yo, you don't got to dress like this. Like, you know, you're, you know. Because the other thing about the neighborhood, a lot of people don't, understand is like uh when you're from the neighborhood and we all have friends and gangs and doing all kinds of stuff and me and my brothers weren't squeaky clean either i mean we were running the numbers at our at our school for a bigger you know bookie. Yeah, right sure understood you doing what you know allegedly what I'm allegedly, uh, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> and then um and and actually how i got to osha ironically is because in the middle of hook we got caught me and my brothers got caught uh, shoplifting. Wait, you're at the mall. So you're shooting hook and you're shoplifting? Yeah. Come yes. on, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> now I can sound like we my don't dad. Need, we don't need street cred that much, son. No, we were. <laughs> I mean, we're we a blue doing? collar family, and it was like I don't know. You know, when you're from the when you're young and you're dumb, and there's a lot of stuff going Thank on. Thank God it wasn't TMZ back then. I know there was no TMZ, but we got popped. And uh, we was it was Christmas time and we was like shopping for I don't know right, I needed a pair of, I needed need a pair of isotoners yeah. I needed a pair of isotoner gloves in L A for some stupid reason that was the that was the item yeah them isotoner gloves didn't O J rep isotoner he uh, well Jerry Rice used to rep the isotoner yeah, gloves yeah. in the bed you know I don't right LA, why are we why do we right, need gloves right. in L A seventy six degrees at yeah, all times but you're looking fresh in some gloves. Uh, but that, when we got popped for that, and then one of the things was like, my parents were like, the neighborhood, y'all are going down the wrong track. And then we ended up getting bussed into Orange County from Paramount and going to art school. A, a little bit cool that the, the neighborhood's called Paramount, though. A little foreshadowing, A little perhaps. foreshadowing. A little synchronicity. It is kind of cool. you know. It's kind of cool, man. Paramount's, Paramount's cool. Yeah, I like it. And ironically, like, the kid, like, like there's a new kid out right now, a kid named Tim Delegato. Who's like a big YouTuber, and, and a lot of people are like, you know, that's Dante 2.0. Oh, really? Yeah. And he's a rapper, actor, comedian, uh, really cool kid. Uh, he's from Paramount. See? No. Ironically. He's yeah, like, there you damn, go. we're from the he same. He has 2.0. We're from the P. He's like, yeah, we're both from, we're both from the P. Are you uh, acting in a, like a mentor role for him at yeah, all? Yeah, to, a, great, to de- a degree for sure. Like him and a lot of new, the new kids that I've kind of come into contact with as a, you know, veteran filmmaker, I guess now, and, and how the world's changed with, uh, with technology and with YouTube and things like Cameo, and you know, there's a paradigm shift in how what entertainment is and new avenues of entertainment, and so what these new school generation of YouTubers have done, how they impacted our industry of Hollywood, has been really, you know, it's really the world's changed. There's not, there's nothing less to say that the world has completely changed, and so 
dealing with a lot of these young cats, um, I, I started this thing called We on the Eighth, which is uh, was an Asian American arts collective that celebrated Asian media the eighth of every month, um, and collaborated with other YouTubers like Asia Raphael and a lot of big YouTubers like Tim Delgado and Kev Jumba came through and told their stories and um, and it's you know I do I did move into a, a certain of a mentoring kind of figure for these guys because they grew up watching me and they grew up seeing my career and now it's you know it's kind of great now to kind of help uh, lead them the right way for some of your mistakes and also help create some opportunities for them there's some projects that we me and Tim have together a project we have coming up that we're kind of putting together so it's just I don't know the cycle of yeah, it's full the circle, cycle of life. What's that Lion King thing? Yeah, the right. circle, of the life, circle of life. The circle. circle of life. It's important to reach back, though. You have to. I mean, like you said, when you came up, you didn't really. It sounds like you didn't really have that someone reaching back. Like, if, if a young person has the opportunity to to talk to you and get some mentorship from you, that's something that most of us young people aspiring when we were young don't have at all. So, what a blessing! And it's good that you didn't get you know, too big for your britches, as they say, then you do reach back. Because yeah. outside of the corny, that is what makes the world go around. You know right. what I mean? You, you go two steps up, you reach back, and you bring your guys up, and so on and so forth. So I commend you for that. I think that's dope. Do you, uh, do you, when you said uh, a lot of your friends have made it, are these people that you were interacting with at the OSHA? Or is this people you've continued uh, to meet along the way? Some cats in OSHA that are done really well. My dude, Pedro Bamaceta, who's... In my class is, uh, you know, he's a star of the new Mandalorian show. He was red, red, uh, the Red Viper in, you know, Game of Thrones. So mm-hmm. We were the same class. Um, uh, you know, my girl Monique, the lead singer, of, uh, Save Ferris, was my yeah. my class. Um, there's cats like that, and but then also just along the way. I mean, it's easy for you know for people like, well, yeah, now you're like a celebrity and you're just hanging out with celebrities. Like, of course you guys all made it, but I'm like. Yes, and no, there's friends that you meet down the way that, yeah, we're all in the same rooms now, and we've kind of seen each other come up, but we didn't, like, know each other and hang out. But, like, I was hanging out last night with my uh, my dude Apple from Black Eyed Peas. I've been down with the Peas since a long, like, we were kids going to clubs together. The, the pre-Fergie Peas. Yeah, there was a... Uh, the hip-hop Black Eyed Peas. A little, little, hard, little harder. <laughs> yeah, there was, they were a band back in the day called Alba Clan, and, uh, and actually, matter of fact... Back during uh, the riots, the L.A. riots in 92, uh, we were part of a crew called City Kids, and we were going around after the riots doing theater shows and songs and whatnot uh, to just kind of like go into the, the local high schools in the area with City Kids. Um, and there was like Malik Yoba and Demi Moore. It's like their, it was their foundation. And so we were part of these the troupe that was going around and kind of like doing stuff to talk about the issues and also uplift through skits and music and whatnot. And so we're at Palisades High, Pally High, where it's kind of by the beach, but they bust a lot of students in there. So it's like very diverse. And we're, you know, we're doing the show. At the end of the show, we're just passing the mic around ciphers. We give it to one kid and the kid starts flowing crazy and gets the, pl- the place going wild. Like Pally High, Pally, Pally High. <laughs> Will I am. No. Will I am. That's amazing. And from that That's point on, like, Taboo, I'm really close to Tab. And going to clubs with those dudes in the, you know, early, mid-'90s, going to ciphers, like, we would just spend nights just dancing and just being, you know, from my B-Boy roots and from them as rappers dancing. We'd just go to the ciphers, this place called B-Sides, it's a pretty legendary spot back in the 90s, and just hours and hours of just battling. And, uh, you know, so those... You, you see a cat like that 
cats like that make it blow go up. blow up like outdo they made it Elvis first, and Beatles first of you know, all they like, made it they were go. doing that kind of stuff they made it go and then they made it go again and they lapped themselves to another stratosphere crazy and I've had conversations with them about different things over the years and to really see cats like that who I knew from square one kind of go astronomical like that like literally breaking yeah, records was, yeah, of like Elvis, said, more and, than the Elvis and the Beatles yeah they sold it's wild yeah and I mean like they did you know they went from like you said like our hip hop roots and then they kind of went and did yeah. which I'm not knocking created, by uh, the way it's I'm different. just saying they, they were almost two groups in if for, for, for layman's terms right, like right, you right, grew right. up with them I just know them from complete totally. fandom they were like oh this is some hip hop hip hop and then it was like did you hear the latest stuff they released just like, the, Recently, recently, just recently, like, they just released a hip hop album. That's just no, straight hip hop. Good, I, I and love it's dope. Like, just I go on their YouTube. I gotta check it. And it wasn't backed by the by the label. That's just something Will wanted to do. Will's like, I just want to do a hip hop album, and he just they just did all these tracks that are phenomenal. I, I think I caught an interview from him and um, where he was saying he wanted to even go back production wise, back yeah. to like an eight track or a four track. He or was something. doing some it, stuff. It has to be. Relate into that, and uh, but he, but look, they did the pop thing, and they got Ferg, and they and they went through the roof. But then, Which is, I I even give props to like a lot of people don't give props to Will, but like the whole EDM thing. I mean, that's black Black Eyed Peas brought EDM to America. If you listen to the last, you know, the the end and all that kind of stuff, because Will was doing that to us when we was hanging out, just going to clubs and whatnot. When he get on the one, this is like the late nineties. He would start DJing, and he would just start playing, and we're hip hop LA. It's very segregated. Like, we just, if you're doing hip-hop and R&B, like, that's all we want to listen to. It's not like you're in Chicago where you can go and it's like hip-hop and then there's like deep house and there's like, we don't got all that stuff. If you're doing all that stuff out here, you're at a rave or you're at a gay club. or like if, Right. In the 90s, if you had a, a popular club, we're just doing straight up and down hip-hop See, and R&B. In, in, in the 90s in Chicago, hip-hop and house music were synonymous. Obviously, yeah. the genres and New York, New York were different. Too. New York also. You, like, hip-hop in Chicago is house music. It's one in the same. Now, obviously, that's not true, but you know what I mean? They were yeah. so no, intertwined, we like that. and it, that's how it would be at all but, times. But the Black Eyed Peas did come out of the small house scene that was in L.A., because they were housing and stuff like that, and they brought that to hip-hop, and I think that formulated, because all of a sudden, we'd be at parties, and then Will would jump on the, the turntables and start spinning, I mean, electro music. Yeah. And we'd be like... What is Will doing this again? And then it kind of made its way into the Black Eyed Peas sound. And then I, they were so big. I, I know in my heart that helped open the door for EDM for America. Will I am? And it was like never talked about in that way. And you're like, this dude was doing. If you listen to the end, that's an EDM album that hit in America first before any, any of the DJs came. I feel like you had a front row seat <laughs> to I, so I, much yeah, <laughs> over, yeah. over your years. Yeah, that. Yeah, you know. To a degree, to a degree. There's a, yeah, I mean, I think that's a special thing about being around town and just kind of being in the room. I, I love going out and being social, and uh, I have a, a big friend group that kind of, everybody kind of, everybody knows everybody to a certain degree, and uh, there's weird things we were talking about, man. It's so strange that people just don't know how how L.A. works, at least in my generation, right? Because how, how Hollywood works is like like high school, right? So all the people coming up during your, your generation is like your class, the class of whatever year right. you graduated. And so when you look back, all of us that kind of came up together, you know, whether you guys liked each other or not or whatnot, it's just it is, now it's 25 years later and we're all, people are still here, still here. But 
I mean, the hip-hop scene and the acting scene was so uh, connected in the 90s, right? And, and no one really put the dots together in the, in the right way. So if you remember um, in the uh, hip-hop parade video, mm-hmm. oh, hey, right? Like uh, my dude David Faustino's in the video. People are like, why is David Faustino in the Naughty by Nature right. video? Okay, so big hip-hop head, right? Matter of fact, he had a club called Ballistics, which was an 18 and under club, a teenage club. Dangerous. No, but it was the illest club in Hollywood. So we'd all go to the club, and at that time, Easy's there, Onyx is performing, Grand Pooba's performing at a teenage club. But who's in the teenage club? So Bud Bundy is throwing it with his boys, right? Nick Adler, um, who's uh, his dad. Adler's like... Classic dude from L.A. Yeah, club Cis- scene. His kid Cisco, Cisco's his brother. Cisco and Swayze. Yeah, and so all cast. those dudes. So, but who else is in the room? I mean, Leo DiCaprio, uh, Toby Maguire. The Basketball Diaries uh, is in the room. Yeah, everyone's in the room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Basketball Diaries. Is I mean, in that's the room. our generation. What's going on? I mean, other crazy, I mean, like Salem, like Punky Brewster. Like when you look at these things, it was Fry. it's connected, right? And I was hanging out. I remember years ago, I was hanging out doing tracks and. We, you know, Brian Austin Green was a big rapper. Little known he had an album, Brian Austin Green, but Brian Austin Green. That's news to me. Dope ass, also a super dope uh, producer and rap. As a matter of fact, he did a lot of the early demos for the Black Eyed Peas, for the Far Side. Like, the, like people don't understand the connection of, because this is, it's all Hollywood, right? So it's like we were hanging out with the rappers, rappers hanging out with the actors. I'm a B boy. To my life, in my life to this day, I still consider myself a hip hop artist that just became an actor and a filmmaker. It's, it sounds like just by the where the conversation naturally flows that you're obviously hip hop first and acting second from a passion perspective. Yeah, I mean, I studied acting for over 20 years. I'm an actor, and I think like an actor, but I grew up in a hip hop generation. And like, what does that mean? You know, when you grew up, when the first generation that grew up hip hop. It was our counterculture thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was a punk rock form. It was a punk for... rock form, and it was like, you know, especially being like where we grew up in a, a person of color and my dad's generation, you know, my grandfather came over World War II, my dad was Vietnam, and all like the Filipinos from that generation, you know, and a lot of people because trying to assimilate into American culture, which is ultimately white culture, right? For better or worse. And it's just not something that we're trying to do. That's just... The American way. By the time the '80s came around and we were coming up, it was kind of the first time we're like, mm, we're kind of gonna swing. Yeah, we've got options. We got options. So when you're going to hip hop, we're gonna look at it in a different way. We're gonna see it from a black experience. We're gonna really embrace our ethnicity and our. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not black, but how they, you know, that time during Afrocentricity yeah. and and tribe and. Native tongue, and was like, well, what, what are we from? What, what's our thing? And so it was just a different perspective. So now, now it's like there's a lot of us hip-hop heads that are in our 40s now. There's like, this is the maturation of hip-hop. Like, where are we at now? Where is the culture at? What's the conversation? It's still part of the perspective of everything Wait, and, we and they were still in the middle of it. Because like you said, the, the, the OG hip-hop heads are 50 years old right now. Yeah. You know, the yeah. oldest of G's hip-hop heads are 55, Crazy. 56. You Crazy. know what I mean? So time will tell, right. I suppose. And so it's interesting. I mean, even with like Jay's, Jay-Z's last album, it's like, I don't think it was for everybody, 444, but it, meant, it, it spoke a lot to me because it was, 
the, grown folk it was business. the maturation yeah, was of hip hop. It was grown folk yeah, was grown rap, folk and I was like, mm. I mean, it's not a lot of bangers. But guess what? There's a lot of cats out there that got bangers for the club. So yeah, he was just need, talking to me, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't need a club song from Jay right now. But that being said, I'm sure it's going to sound Oh, we'll take top. it. Yeah. We'll we take don't, it. I don't know if we need it. So speaking of evolution, now you just got back from filming portions of your directorial debut. Yeah. Would that, would that be qualified That's as your true. directorial debut? I guess that would be. Yeah, I would say it is, yes. Because you've done music videos. Yeah, I mean, we've, I've directed, you know, I'm an actor, man. Yeah, I'm a producer. Done a little of everything. So we've done a little bit of everything. I mean, as far as like helming as a director, like this is my first film. Cool. And what's that, what's that experience been like? Because you're working with your siblings, too. Yeah, all my brothers, my sister. It's called Fabulous Filipino Brothers. And uh, it's something I co-wrote with my brothers. Uh, and it's really just kind of a platform for, for them, you know, in a lot of ways. And telling this kind of cool story. We developed a story that's, you know, it's based in a lot of different stories in our life, even though it's really fiction. It's not really autobiographical or anything. It's just based on these stories from our lives. And uh, I pitched it as this, like... Uh, you know, my big fat Greek wedding Filipino style meets um, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so Windex there's, there's and a pitch. Automatic weapon. Right, right. Yeah. Well, actually, not the, um, not the, uh, the violence of Pulp Fiction, but the calamity of Pulp Fiction. Plus, it's my four, it's me and my, my, my brothers, four of us, uh, my real brothers, and uh, the movie takes place in four vignettes. And it's like a linear story told out of, out of order, somewhat like, uh, like Pulp. And every story has like twists and turns and just crazy stuff that goes on. So influenced by those films. So it's it's exciting. I mean, I don't think being a director has ever been my my dream. It's not like I, you know, I'm an actor and uh, and I produce. I produced I think six seven movies now, and I do love producing. I love getting a lot of like minded people in the room and talking story and creating you know something cool. Uh, but directing. You know, I don't know. I'm not like some auteur trying to do something brand new and fresh. I'm just trying to, a lot of ways I tell us, there's, there's a lot of great directors like that that I love that are so, their vision is so detailed. They're, they're doing their, their thing stylization-wise. And in a lot of ways I'm like, you know, I'm just making a movie. I'm just making a movie. Hiring my friends. I'm trying to get my friends that do really good things in different departments to, you know, give them the best opportunity to do the best stuff they can do. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I got to make a few decisions. And then just kind of keep going. But uh, I love writing. I love, we'll see how the directing goes. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I yeah. am definitely I'm sure you're it. learning a ton. Yeah, and it's, it's good to kind of like, you know, work with, it's always good to work with family. Do you feel like, yeah, it's always good to work with family. So you're directing your family. Yeah. How, do, how is that communication different? But you guys have been working together right. in things how, how will Thanksgiving for years. be is what he's yeah. getting. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think it's tenuous at I know. It can be tenuous. I mean, we've had some tenuous times throughout our, our, our careers and life because they're all actors, all my brothers and my sister in their own right, and, they, and they're successful in their own right and, and amazing actors in their own right. Uh, one of my, um, you know, impetuses of doing the project and directing and producing is the town has been really, you know, really... I've been really fortunate in this town, and um, and I wanted to give them a, a stage to really do what they do best. You know what I'm saying? So we set up the film in a way where everyone can kind of shine in their own their own way, and, and things that that we know that they they've done in classes or whatnot that they may not have been able to do on film yet. And I wanted to give them, give us all the opportunity to do that. Uh, and as far as like directing them, I mean, we know each other really well. Plus, we've the other unique thing about us being in the industry together is we've auditioned against each other for years. Right. Um, 
and we've gone through our growing pains of like, you know, you get this, I got that, like heartbreak. I mean, it's really hard to like think for you to succeed, you know, some of the people closest to you have to, you know, lose, you know, and you shouldn't look at it that way, but sometimes yeah, that, that's the way it feels. There's only one role. Right. There's three brothers going for it or whatever. And, yeah, scenario. exactly. And it's just crazy. I mean, like sometimes I think about like it's not hard enough to like try to make it in this town without the extra obstacle of like having very close siblings with you and that you are also concerned with them making it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and those considerations and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, as they say, though, a rising tide lifts all ships. So, yeah. you know, whether, whether you get it or he gets it or she gets it or whatever, you know, it's what's good, totally. you know, for one is totally. good for the all. Um, you also dip your toe pretty heavily in, in the voice acting game, yeah, in the man. voice world. Like a lot of people listen to this. Are you a voice actor also? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do, but it, uh, I do mostly commercial work. I haven't done a lot of character stuff, okay. but uh, I won't name drop the brands, but like pretty successful, bigger awesome. campaigns, which is dope. But I was saying a lot of people listening to this podcast might even just think like this is Zuko or you yeah, know what I mean? Like there's so, a whole, yeah, that's there's a whole nother part of it. You a know whole what I mean? Another part. That's the irony of this industry. Like, again, like I've never done. I never came or thought about doing voice acting in particular. There's kids now coming to, into town, like, that's all they want to do. And I have friends that make an amazing living off being voice actors. Uh, for me, you know, when you're around town, when you're, when you're acting, there's a lot of different avenues for acting, right? A lot of different ways to cut a check in this town. Of course, everybody knows about movies and television shows, but of course, you know, about commercials, um, hosting, uh, you know, industrials for companies that no one's going to see just vi- just I'm videos. In, I'm rushing out of here tomorrow morning. To I do got it. an industrial tomorrow. There you go, doing First industrials. Thing, yeah. I mean, hand modeling. There's all there's t- 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 That's t- what so Kyle, many Kyle's re- yeah, Kyle got the hand model yeah, game going on. Yeah, I'm working on the hand modeling. Uh, yeah. uh, my career. And then forever there right. was an there was an avenue called voice acting, which not until the you know, the the dawn of the buzzword of Comic-Con, I don't think till like, voice acting got really hot, hot, hot. And, uh, again, I was fortunate to come up in a time and and uh, and where a show that had so much impact and Comic-Con kind of blew up, and I just was part of that, you know, one of that first generation, like, the new Comic-Con heads that was is interesting. Um, but I've been fortunate that way, too. I kind of walked through a door, and, you know, sometimes you have, I always tell, like, you know, young kids, like sometimes you, you're supposed to have a plan, have a plan, work your ass off, work hard to get through your plan. But the reality also sometimes is certain doors open up and you have to have some fluidity or some kind of like wherewithal to walk through some of those doors. Because, I mean, sometimes things happen that is even better than your plan. Absolutely, and sometimes the fluidity of that one little window that you walk through takes you back to the main plan anyway. Yeah. You were just supposed to go knock out XYZ hand modeling because yeah. you ended up meeting so-and-so that turned into Will I Am, and I, you know, so on and it's so like, forth. Damn, I was, my, I was those hands on that album. <laughs> right, I was, that was me holding the 40, man. Yeah. That was me, man. Was? Look at that ring finger. That was who me. Who was it? It was, they just, the American Beauty poster? Yeah. It was oh, the hand model, it was a... Uh, the, brun- uh, the the redhead the she's in a ton of stuff I have to I have to American Beauty on on Mina so, Savar's breast so it was the hand on it was oh, like on the, it. yeah the on American body. I have to look this up because it's who was it the redhead yeah hold on from the redhead 
It was. I'm out of my league right now. I'm out of class. I'm just going to sit silent. It was Christina. Let's say, what was it? Christina the Redhead. I know a few Christinas the Redhead from Christina Hendricks. Christina Hendrick, I know that name. How do I? Oh, when she's just holding the rose up against the body mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, 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 I know that shot. And I was like, and that's, I was thinking like Zoolander the whole time with David Duchovny with his hand <laughs> in the in the glass case. Um, yeah, I mean it's a weird channel. People get known for I don't know doing weird things. I mean, the reality is my my voice in the voice acting world has gotten pretty popular. It's just my voice. Like, yeah, but your voice is unique. Like even just chatting with you now or whatever, like it, 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 that's what half the game is, is having a unique voice. Yeah, I guess you know? so. I mean, and the irony is, you know, we never hear ourselves talk. Right. Like I don't, you never listen to your own voice. It's like it's almost, you almost never even hear yourself talk. So it boggles my mind. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, I'll take. I'll take. You know, it's I'd, funny. I'd love to. It's like uh Sometimes they're casting something. They're like, we, you know, it's sounding like a Dante Bosco sound. I'm like, what well, you the see, hell? Like, listen, I'll, I'll be brief because the audience doesn't want to hear about like the, the the scripts or whatever. But they'll they'll say silly stuff in there like that. Like we're looking for Dante Bosco, but more whimsical. And yeah. like what? How, like in the specs that they give you on that. And I'm like, what know. does that mean, man? And then you go down a Dante Bosco YouTube rabbit hole, and you're like, you I, I, I can't talk like a Dante yeah, Bosco, I don't man. Know what I don't know how is. to talk like a Dante Bosco. It's hard. It's a fine line in this town about um, trying to give them what they want. And the reality is, like, even me being on the other side of the table, now casting and producing, you, they don't. We don't always know what we want. You don't know what you want. And the reality is. Uh, you, it's like you gotta like do you. You gotta be authentic, right? And you could be malleable a little bit to the left and a little bit no, to the right. No, you gotta be malleable. Like yeah, if you get absolutely. direction, like you, you gotta roll it. with it. But that being said, like I can't go into tomorrow's read trying to sound like you. I just can't. Nah. I gotta be me at all costs. No I had this what. conversation. Like I was in this. I was in a late night situation. Uh oh, allegedly. We were a little tipsy up in here. Turned up on whatever. But Malort. some young yeah. <laughs> some young actress was there and she just got to town. She's like 26. And she's Allegedly. like, I just got her like three months ago. And I was like, okay, we was a little turned up. And I was like, so what's up? What you doing? And she gave me this whole talk about, you know, I just, I feel I'm so late to the game because I'm already 26, but I'm from New York and I just want to do, you know, important movies I want to do. She said specifically, it's like, I want to do um, like black, like Black Swan. Oh, and I was just like is. looking at her like that's been done. So you know when you're just like not in that mindset, you're like, what are we talking about? And I just kind of turned away. And then a few minutes went by, and I just like looked back at her, and I was like, do you want to be rich and famous? And she was like, in a moment of like a moment of clarity or just vulnerability, she's like, yes, I yeah. do want to be rich and famous. How how do I do it? And we got into this crazy you know, turned up conversation where I was like, real talk, she's like, and we just started talking about it, and uh, which I want to write in a movie one time, because it was just a weird conversation, where I talked about some stuff we talked about, like, you gotta get good, I don't even know if you're good or not, get good, I mean, you gotta get lucky. Right, if you get, get, get real, good first, you get really good, to get good, lucky. You, you're gonna get luckier, but like, if you get good enough, you're probably gonna work, you probably, you might be, you might make some money, if you might make a lot of money, you might get rich. If you wanna be famous, I was like, if you wanna be famous, 
there's actually nothing you can do about well, it. Well, not knocking this young woman. I have no idea. I'm sure no, she's no, fantastic. she's cool. So, but my whole thing is like this: you, you got, you can't set the goals about that. The goal's got to be about the art, and that's no, not course, to be all course. corny. But, but the reality is, uh, that that's a an urge where yeah. more than half the people that came to town, rich and Absolutely. famous, is part of the deal. See, I'll take the rich. You can leave the famous. I'll take happy and satisfied. Yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. I'm doing. Well, what, the thing about famous is. I was telling her, is you really can't do anything about that. Like, right, in a that's lot of ways, to you. this town chooses you. Right. Right. I'll and, take regionally recognizable and rich. Yeah, but this is the deal. I was like, the town chooses you, but it, when I say it chooses you, I'm saying it chooses you. Like, okay. you can't do anything. The reality is, you got to figure out who you are. If we can actually see you, if the town sees you, that's castable. That has an ability to work. The problem is so many young actors come to town and we never see who they are because they're trying to be everybody else or yeah. trying to be what everybody wants to be. They can't get to who they are. Once you walk in the room and we see who you are, whether or not we cast you or not, if we actually see you, that's impacting and going, when that role comes along for you, yeah, they're going to call know. you up. Yeah, we got but you. if we don't ever really see you, like I can't really get a take on that person because I don't know what they're, they're trying to do everything. They're good, but I don't know who they actually are. But then when we see who people are, those are people like become stars. Authenticity. Yeah. I think especially in this day and age. Especially like that with, with YouTube, influencers, whatever you want to call it, like the people that are revealing themselves. No, of course. I are told the ones people that seem to be rising. My friends that are traditional media guys, and we, you know, especially when the first YouTuber wave came and they're like, these kids are shit. Like, what are they doing? This is crap. Like, I can't believe the world's gonna end. Like, this is and I'm like, yo, yo, yo. And because I've been around them and I start, you got to be a, start becoming a student to new stuff, right? And you're like, you're messing up what you think quality is. You guys are thinking it's the camera or the lights yeah. or all that, but you're not seeing that kid as the quality. You're not, the ones that are actually winning, you think they're all winning. They're not all winning. The ones that are super winning are working harder than everybody else. And who they are on camera, whether it be real or perceived, they're the, they're the quality, like, look at who they are, what they're doing, why their audience engages with them, and how they engage with their audience. That's the magic of that. And it's not all this other stuff. And consequently, guess what? The more they work, the better they're getting at everything else. So it's like, and you better catch up because they got the numbers and we don't have the numbers. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's, it's a whole, it's a wild, wild west right now. <laughs> yeah, it does seem kind of like the turning of the tides a little bit, and I'm not knocking any of the the youngsters or the or the social media influencers, but it, there is a little bit of like a shifting of the guard from like these. Oh, I've got 90 million YouTube views, and then you got like a traditional studio actor or somebody else who's like 40, and he's like, oh, well, I've done nine movies, but I don't even have an Instagram account. You know what I mean? I, I feel know. like we're at like this weird I think, like. I think threshold. the thing that you got to look at is they're just they're both putting in work. You know, Absolutely. like. Whether you're a content creator on YouTube yeah. and you're doing 20 videos a week, you know, you're spending 40, 60 hours editing. And they're like, different. Those things it's are- a different time. I mean, we, we all thought it was one thing, entertainment. And it is entertainment, but they're two different forms of entertainment. We thought it was the same thing, but we're realizing it's a whole different kind of – social media is a whole different kind of entertainment. Um, and, it, and it needs to be treated as such. Uh, it's just a, – it's a crazy – I mean, we talk – this is one of the things we talk about. So it's like – like average kid today will watch, you know, still watching TV and films. They'll go watch Infinity Wars. They'll go watch their favorite shows, two, maybe two hours a day. Guess how long they're on their phone? No. 
all day, every 12 day. hours a day. You ever accidentally look at so, the thing on your phone that shows you, you how long you've been on TikTok Instagram or whatever? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. oh shit, I've been on Instagram I mean, for 19 hours. The reality hours is, out of we're watching more Instagram than we are watching mm-hmm. TV. But that's what they say, though. Like, crazy. This is a deep dive for another time, but like, bite sized content is all the rage yeah. right now. Like, create long form content and then. Break it down into smaller, smaller, like all the short, way to a digestible Dude, Jay, podcast. We was at, so short, they flew us podcast. and uh, me and a bunch of my friends out to the Fortnite championships a few months ago. We, nice. So we're in New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium, playing Fortnite, right? So Fortnite, for people that don't know, is like a hundred man, you know, a hundred, and it's like a king of the hill kind of thing. But we're doing duos, so it's like fifty. We're doing pro am, so fifty celebrities and fifty pro Fortnite players, and we all get matched up with a pro, and we go. And, you know, all these pretty big stars out there, especially young cats, they don't care about none of us. The fans came yeah. out, dude, these gamers are mobbed. We, we, we have esports. And we were just tripping. We were just, we were just on stage like, damn, the world's done changed. This is crazy. We have esports personalities on Cameo yeah. that just crush, that, that crush. do way more. I mean, all the, all the NBA, the Golden State Warriors have esports teams. Who would have thought Milwaukee that we'd be Bucks, watching Lakers, video there. games? I know. Like literally us sitting in the living and watching your friend play SEG and just kind of being annoyed till you get a chance to play some stuff became... I it, mean... If Crazy. I could go back in time, if you go and back like, in time. I'm like, I played that, I played those games that yeah. much. I played the same amount of time. Yeah, they were playing, but it wasn't a career option Dude. for me. I was like, oh, I gotta go do kid something won $3 else. Three million dollars. It was crazy. We were like, this is crazy. All the kids that showed up from all over the world, it's like just showing up at the championship. They had to, you know, to register to qualify, get, qualify yes. to get in. Just to get in, like the last place is getting 50k. Yeah, and it's last glo- place it's global too, because I mean, like you don't, <laughs> you're looking at the audience right. of those things, and it's. You don't like a movie. You're, it's in one language. And these kids you know, are young, like, man. They, these kids so can young. play I'm from in the, anywhere. I'm in the elevator, like you know, driving up to your room, like whatever. And you're like, "Hey, man, you playing?" Yeah. He was like, "How do you feel? Where are you from?" Uh, I'm from like this part of England. It's like anyone else from that area went. I was like, "No." It's like you're the best Fortnite player that side of England. He's like, "I, I, I, I guess I am." I'm like, yeah, I could tell for sure you are. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. He's like, man, my mom told me I, I, she pulled me out of school for this last week just so I can train. I'm like, damn. Train. train. I, I'm not nagging. It's just, it's trippy to hear the word crazy. train. It is yeah. training. And I compliment the craft, but train. I'm like, oh, man. It's right. I should have trained harder. Oh, man. It's been, uh, it's, been, it's been great chatting with you. Um, we do a little thing at the end where we just kind of rapid fire a couple questions to you. Just, you know, we covered so much stuff. Let but, go. You know, people want to know a little bit more sometimes. Let's go. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a selfish one. Restaurant in L.A.? Uh, Moza. Moza? Go to Moza. I'm going to tell you a quick one. If you go to Moza, uh, Mario Patelli's restaurant, go to the back bar Monday to Thursday, and they have a special menu for the back bar, like a three-course menu for a set price. Yeah, for you. Take a note, Sam. For yeah. you. A Mario bar. Not, just go. For, not for us. No, 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 <laughs> no, you, no reservation. <laughs> go to the back when you go in and just go to the back bar, sit down, Amaro, and there's a menu. You get three-course meal for like, like $35. Give me a quick, like, aha moment or like, oh my God. Cause like you've been in forever. You probably don't get starstruck. Maybe when you're younger, maybe was it Robin Williams or like, when were you like, like a pinch me moment? Like, holy. I mean, moly. I would never trip on any actors that I know when you I was wouldn't. Younger, you're cool as the other side of the pillow. But, tell but you, then you know a, that moment. There was a late night spot back in the day we used to go to after the clubs called Ed DeBevix in Beverly Hills. Yeah, and, we got him. And they were, uh, you have, you have yeah, him? No, yeah. So we had Ed DeBevix was open had, there. Yeah. And so I had booths everywhere. And so we there, I'm there like three o'clock in the morning. I used to like write poetry there. And then all of a sudden, um, Jodeci walks in. Yeah. Damn, Jodeci walked And I was like, Jodeci was like my 
group, like Forever My Lady, and like that was like my makeout session tape. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so when them dudes came in, it was just like, damn, I was pretty starstruck. That's great. Like uh, last TV show you binge watched? Uh, I guess it had to be Umbrella Academy. I did Umbrella Academy. Yeah. And then we'll leave on this one. I have to do it just because you've been talking hip-hop the whole time. Give me your five, man. Damn, What's top your five? five? Ooh, Dead damn. or alive. Do I, is, I'm not going to be held to this? No, come on. We're just talking smack. Uh, top five. I mean, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll go Jay. I'll go, uh, I'm going to go, I mean, I'm going to go Eminem, just lyrically. I'm going to go, I'm going to throw some new school kid in. I'm new Kendrick. Uh, I'm going to go, uh, how many is that, three? That's three. Uh, I mean... Let's do some. I mean, like Kendrick and Jake holding me right now. Absolutely, like, I'm on those dudes. We'll count right that now. as four. That's and then okay. I mean, Three and, and then just and then I do Nas. I do me Nas. Too. I do Nas. At the risk of gassing you up, that is that is just about my top five as well. Not even saying that right now. Might, might sneak a Red Man in there. I think no, it's Red's old dope. School, I mean, it's like it's so hard. I mean, I mean meth. I mean, I'm big meth. So I was many. a big meth dude. That's so many. But anyway, that's the podcast for a different time. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Now, Dante Bosco. Yep. Available on Cameo. It's a Cameo headline. Yeah. It's an artist. Yeah, it's for sure. I'm, I'm, one early, I'm one of the early, earlier yeah, one of the early adopters. For sure. I was one of the early adopters. And we We're, love having you, for sure. You can book uh, Dante at Cameo.com slash Dante Bosco, D-A-N-T-E-B-A-S-C-O. Book him. Get at get me. That, get, get at, at him. Me. Maybe get some advice, Holla you know, because I think he boy. dished out a lot you, today, but might need some more. If you want hand modeling advice, yeah, hand modeling, modeling advice, voice you. acting, hip hop, we got it. We got it all. Awesome. We cannot thank you enough for being here. Uh, one thing we love is watching someone's progress and their hustle, and it's obvious that you have tons of it. So, Dante Bosco, we thank you, good sir. Cheers, y'all. Anyway. <laughs>